0: Hi, everyone, Mattia. Um, In this episode, I want to introduce you to Kai Eugenio. Kai has a really amazing story. And, you know, she's really, uh, she wants to share that with others today. And after many years of fighting domestic abuse, she's now helping women um, that are in the same situation to fight back and to build, and not just emotional resilience, but also mental well-being. So thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very, uh, very interested to learn about your story. And uh, yes, it's amazing having you here. Thank
1: you, thank you for having me, Mateo, and uh, thank you for inviting me.
0: No worries. So where do we start, Kai? Um, you are uh, in the Philippines at the moment. You are going through a massive typhoon, which you know. Yes, typhoon
1: Odette.
0: Yes, and your family. <laughs> its it
1: landfall. Yeah. Yeah, it, it made its landfall about two nights ago and it's still coming in strong as as of today, third day. And yeah, my family, um well, my family, I, I'm staying with my two daughters right now. Yeah. And uh, I'm renting my own place.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm. that's the kind of transformation that I've been through that's for the amazing. past eight years.
0: Wow. Wow. So I want to learn more about the story, but let's maybe begin from the origin. From you, mm. I'm always very interested to learn about my guests as a, when they started as a kid. How was life over there when you started as a, as a child? How what what were you like as a child, and how was it with your family?
1: Okay, I'm the youngest
0: yeah. in a
1: family of eight. I've got, uh, i you know, it's it's quite a big family. In yeah. in the Philippines, when you've got. Uh, Eight children, seven children, sorry, seven children. It's really a big, happy family. So me mm-hmm. being the youngest, I we can say that I was um, the pampered one.
2: Mm-hmm. You know
1: how it goes, and uh, kind of taken, protected from all the family issues. Around. So I grew up really happy, cheerful, very light spirited. I'm a happy soul, <laughs> yes. Mateo. Yes. Yes. And uh, one thing, one thing I remember being a child is really. Um, I'm 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 very serious with my studies.
2: Mm.
1: I'm quite ambitious, yeah. goal driven.
2: Yeah.
1: From the get go, so that's who I am. How resonate with that? Very positive, you know, like only beautiful things. Yeah. Um, I'm. I was never exposed to violence mm. when I was young. My father is was a very sweet man. The same with my mom. They're both passed away so
0: mm. yeah and happy childhood yeah 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 so protected from your siblings you know mm. brought up very well and where did they start was there like um a relationship that um you you were married I guess when the um when that happened mm-hmm. I guess you're
1: you're going right straight to the domestic violence part.
0: <laughs> yeah, Sorry, yeah. Actually, story, um,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I was actually... Yeah, sure. I, I didn't know if you wanted to cut through maybe some of your childhood and your, your upbringing a little bit. You wanted to My, tell me a little bit more about that?
1: Okay. As an adolescent, basically, I'm a regular adolescent. Though, though, um, I've, I've never had many boyfriends. Yes. Okay, I only one had uh, I only had one uh, crush when I was a teenager, not really that serious. And then I met uh, this man. You know, he swept me off my feet, swept me off my feet until mm. eventually I realized it's gonna be that literal. Mm.
2: Uh-huh. And, uh
1: huh. And this man became my husband, became my ex-husband. And uh, yeah, I mean there was perhaps my personality was was an easy catch to his type of you know he came in very strong and he he impressed me in so many ways because i was i grew up being protected being sheltered as a as the youngest in the family and me being the girl you know, how it is in, in the Philippines, such a very conservative culture yeah. that when you're the youngest, and you're a girl, everybody protects you from, from any kind of issues at home and out, out of outside life. So, and then suddenly I met this man who's, oh, it's kind of street smart, very different from where I come from there. I, I guess I was, I, I fell in love I was impressed. I was, yeah, like what I said, I was swept off my feet, got easily attracted, and wanted to and wanted to see the world from how he sees it. Mm. So it really became very interesting for me. Mm. And mm. that was the beginning of the end.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So to say, and it's very so,
0: interesting when, when you want inside the relationship, is um, you kind of because you're so into it it's hard to see with a different pair of eyes sometimes and when people um give you their opinions, some more more often than ever you think that they they don't understand right
1: oh exactly exactly yeah. my my older sisters would you know looking in hindsight we say because you you gotta do it okay because you were young and blindly in love mm. Mm. And that's very normal, right? My friends saw it, mm. my family saw it, my mom, especially my mom and my brothers, all of them saw it except myself. Everybody saw the red flags except myself. In actually with a with the note that I gave you guys ahead of the at the interview, if you remember, I said there that it's kind of embarrassing because mm. you know, coming from somebody who's educated and has, you know, I, I took up psychology crying out loud mm-hmm. and yet I didn't see the red flags mm-hmm. or perhaps I just continued to deny the red flags were there but on there just blindly in love.
0: yeah I just wanted to interrupt you a second because I I truly believe that whatever and this can happen in relationship but can happen in mm. business sometimes when we are so into the trenches of something and we're so trying to figure it out how to make it working and and again, it can be in anything, not just a relationship, it can mm. be a business, can be, you know, something we're trying to do. Friendship. friendship. Yeah. Uh, it's so easy to, um, you know, to fall into that trap. And also because you see aspects of that person that your parents, your relatives, your friends couldn't see. So maybe there was also, you know, a not so bad side. So it's very difficult to, to, to look at things with, with a good pair of lenses, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point apart from it being a real one, uh, when you are actually, like what I said, when you're going deep into the relationship and you want to explore more about the other person, you put yourself into that relationship hoping that at the end of the day, it's going to be something you imagined it to be until reality comes in and you you see it with your own eyes. Mm. Then you make the decision. And that real that reality of mine actually, it took me fifteen years to realize. Imagine that, fifteen years. Mm. Denial was. We have this battered wife syndrome. Uh, they say that normally it has four stages. So initial stages, you know. Uh, the abusive partner will try to get you emotionally suctioned. And then, when you've invested so much emotionally to the to your partner, then he tries to manipulate you in everything you do, in every you know what you, who you go out with, who your friends are, where you go, what I wear, how I laugh, how I talk, everything, everything has to be controlled. Can you imagine that? So that that was me. Fifteen years apart from apart from the uh, physical and sexual abuse.
0: And how was that, these that 15 years, like how did you persist through that struggle, through the? How did you manage like, to, to, to not to literally blow up, you know, for, for so, such a long period of time, right?
1: That is a, that's actually a very good question. A lot of people ask me that. Kay, how were you able to put it all together? 15 years they never saw me you know they never saw me coming out crying no I, I think I I mastered the art of what we call this um, being a great actress
2: mm-hmm.
1: first thing first thing you have to understand Mateo is I'm a teacher and when you're a teacher you've got to you've got to come out with this you know this image of you have a perfect family.
2: Yeah, you, you can blueprint. handle
1: everything, right? You've got that blueprint of becoming mm-hmm. a teacher. Everything is set. Everything is organized. Everything is working according to plan. Yes, yes,
2: yes.
1: But little do they know what's really happening to me inside my own home. Until I go to school with a lot of bruises in my arms, with a swollen face, because he used to punch me in the head, and. Uh, and then i noticed some signs now coming up like with my speech you know it becomes slurry and delayed sometimes i get to be so forgetful i think this were this were the physical effects of you know me being hit in the head most of the time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, the the only thing which made me stay inside the marriage for 15 years was actually the Filipino culture of family. Here in my country, where I come from, a family has to have a father and a mother. And me coming from a conservative family, with my mom and dad, with me, I was hoping that perhaps he, he deserves another chance, all right? Give him another chance. Oh, he hit me tonight. I'll give him another chance. He comes back uh, apologizing to me, sounding so sincere. I love him. I love my children. I don't want my children to lose their father. So, what am I supposed to do? What do you expect me to do? What does the world expect me to do? Teacher K has got to do something. Teacher K has to forgive her husband. Or else, if Teacher K doesn't, She's gonna look like a selfish woman. She's gonna be discriminated and she's gonna be mocked as, as thinking only of her own happiness and not of her children. So that's how complex it is, Mateo. That's yeah. how that's how deep, that's how deep and and hurtful those 15 years were because. Every day, every day I have to think of which would I prioritize today? Who should I prioritize today? Should it be myself? Should it be my kids, my two daughters? Or should it be my husband? Or should it be the the image of our family? All of those things are always playing in my mind every day.
0: It's interesting because as human beings, we're all so worried about the opinion of other people. Inevitably. Mm. It's just inevitable. Something deep inside, I think, is social. Um, animals inside this what we what we care about right and the thing about the blueprint that all of us we yep. have a blueprint I have a blueprint you have a blueprint Renata has one everybody has a blueprint of how mm-hmm. life should be like and when our reality doesn't match the blueprint that's when we are unhappy because it's not how it's meant to be in our mind right and so yep. we do we either change strategy or we need to change our blueprint.
2: Right, and I agree with, with that. What,
0: what, what you did was definitely, you had to, to make a change there because you're like, this is, this is oh. not working eventually. Oh,
1: Matteo, not only did I make a change, I broke culture right there and then. I broke culture. I mean, the moment he held up a machete, in front of me that was it there's no turning back the only thing that was going on in my head that evening august 30th of 2013 was the only thing i was telling myself while i was you know the machete in front of me was just make sure you go to you go to work tomorrow and i'll be gone i'll be bringing the 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 girls along and that's the only thing that was going on in my head because I cannot I will not tolerate something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. So what if the
1: next time he won't just poke it at me? What if the next time he actually stabs me?
2: Yeah?
1: Right? So that moment I did not think of the Who cares about the image? Who cares about me being a teacher? I should be having a perfect family. Who cares about that? That moment was the last straw that really woke me up and said that, Hey, you, you got to think about your life. Cause if something bad happens to you, who's going to take care of the two girls? No one. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to leave my two girls with that violent father of theirs. No way. No, way it's going to happen. No, way it's going to happen. That was August 30th. So the following day, it's a regular school day for the kids. And the, uh, first thing I did, Mateo, was I knew, I knew in myself that I had to run away. I had to get all of my things and, and find a place, find a hotel uh, temporarily. And so, but thing is, I also need to talk to, to the girls because I cannot be, you know, deciding for them. They're in junior high school then. So I talked to them. I brought them to this restaurant. It's a neutral place. I mean, that's how you should do it, right? bring them to a neutral place, not not inside the house. So a restaurant would be a perfect place. And that's when, that's where I talked to them. You know what, Mateo? I got the answer that I was praying for right there and then. Because the only person who meant so much to me and the only person whose opinion would matter most to me was my eldest daughter's. So when I was about telling them, you know, um, Nicole and Sophia, uh, mommy just cannot take it anymore. I think I should, you know, find another place away from your dad. But we are still family. Here I am still trying to sugarcoat, you know, still trying to, to sugarcoat everything. Because I was not expecting that they would be that matured already. But I was so surprised by the reaction of my eldest daughter. You know what she did? She tapped me on the shoulder, and then she said, Mom, you've been suffering long enough. You need to rest. You're so tired. That's what my 13-year-old daughter Um, told me, um, and that was it. It's a done deal, Mateo. I stopped explaining. I didn't cry because I knew, I knew. That the two most important persons in the world understood my plight then, understood the situation, and understood exactly why I needed to do what I needed to do then.
0: They knew that. They knew. They knew. They, they knew deep inside when when the mom is the one that is no, something, not something alright. You you are a very brave woman, and you, I think what you Thank did you. is remarkable. You know, to be able to come out of there and. You know i think there is something that is there's nothing more powerful than a mother that wants to protect her, her kids exactly. it's nothing exactly. more powerful and exactly. um and, and it's, it's remarkable how they say that we make a change always when there is something extraordinary that happens in our life a death a mm-hmm. redundancy you know break up yeah. in in the in marriage or something we always need something extraordinary to to make a change. You had to make a change at that time because it was living or to die.
1: It it was a matter of life and death, literally, choice between life and death. Of course, I choose living. I mean, I I know I can live alone. I mean, like, who needs a husband if that kind of husband will be be the one with you?
0: In the same way, how many women are there in that situation and still can't make that move?
1: Much more. The the situation actually became worse during the pandemic, Mateo. Now it's like statistics tells us it's one out of three women. Can you imagine that? So when when I decided to become a coach for battered women and help them with resilience and help them with their mental health and well-being, I got a lot of you know eyebrows raised. Why do you why do you need to? I mean, there's so people, people around would like ask me, there's so many other areas of coaching where you can make more money. You know what I mean, Mateo? It's like more money, you can do business, you can do sales coaching. And then the only thing I tell them was, I will always look back at a time when I needed someone and no one was there.
2: No one was there.
1: If only there was someone who would be non-judgmental, who would be unbiased, who would be honest with me, you know, open and accommodating to listen to how I was feeling then. I wouldn't have waited on the 15th year. I wouldn't have waited that long. I would have made the right decision for me and the two girls, but no one was there. when I tried to open up that, when I tried to open up to people that I thought would be listening to me, I hear common things like, oh, you should try to be more patient. You're the wife. Oh, you should, you should be willing to, to do the sacrifices because the wife. That's our role. Hello? As if I'm not doing my role good enough. Crazy. I cook. I do the laundry. I take care of the kids. I take care of them. But is it my fault if I cannot give him the sex that he wanted because I was so tired that day? I was working from 7 to 5 p.m. and then I handled... Four private duties after work, and you expect me to to have sex with you, and then when I said no, what? He punched me. You started hitting me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't yeah. go to school to suffer that much. And this is the kind of thing that I want, you know. Even if it's myself, Matea, this is the kind of message that I want to put across.
2: Wow.
1: Well, so um... You as women. If you feel that you're being violated, there's always there's always this choice of yours to step out of it, to run away, to escape. And you shouldn't be afraid of what the future will hold for you. Be afraid what will happen to you if you stay. But look forward to the moment when you cross over to that happier side of life. Oh, it's just so liberating.
2: The freedom.
1: I mean, look, the freedom the freedom of being yourself again the freedom of you know the freedom of looking at the mirror and seeing yourself again oh i see kay again i see the happy kay again yes i see yes. kay again who has who's friendly i see kay again who's talented and other women can be like me too you know i can't wait to see this is what i tell my clients when when they when they uh, see me for the first time in coaching I always tell them that I am even more excited for them to cross over than them being excited for themselves. Because so I can't wait to see, you know, the end result for them.
0: It becomes it becomes a mission and a calling, which I don't think... Oh, yeah. I don't oh, think yeah. anybody can understand, uh, apart from you, and those people that say to you that you choose the wrong niche is because... Um, they don't understand the, the fact that when you go through such a hard time, when you go through such a journey and you come out on the other side, the fulfillment that you get in helping other women going through, um, being free from that. Yeah, exactly. And, and see them smiling again, seeing them flourish again and being successful in whatever they want to do, whether yep. they have a happy yep. family or a career, a job or business. Yes. It's not just you do coaching, Is you having your mission, having a calling,
1: which mm-hmm. is- An advocacy.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And so how, okay, so you, you were able to, to make the transition to, you know, um, had a chat with your daughters, made the decision. What happened next?
1: Okay, so good thing I was able to save money um a couple of dollars (laughs) and uh i went we went straight to renting a room just for us the three of us and then the paranoia stepped in uh i remember i had to ask my two girls to to leave school for three days to not go to school for three days because we don't know, their, their dad might be just around and yeah. might do something bad. Paranoia would hit it. And that's, that's actually part of the stage of, of battery wife syndrome. Um, you feel or you have this thinking that any moment he can find you, any moment he might find us, he might go around and ask you know, friends or people who know me who's just last seen us, and you might be able to find the hotel room. So um, I was was very scared. I was very scared more for my kids than for myself. Um, On the night that I really left home, on the night that we were settled in the hotel, that's the only time that I called my sister and informed them that that I left the house. They were so surprised. It's like, finally, you know, the tones. They couldn't believe that I finally made that decision. Because they've been continuously telling me for years that, you know, okay, you're just wasting your time. You have to do it. He's not a good man. He's a violent man. But you know, I'm still blinded then. And when I told them that, no, 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 I told them, I'm decided. I'm actually here in the hotel room with my two girls. And the following day they came in, you know, brought some food and offered support. So you see now the importance of having a, a very strong support group in cases like victims of domestic abuse. During that time, I felt really lost. I knew my sisters were there. I knew my family was there. I knew I had the backing of, you know, backing of my siblings and my mom. But then I was still lost. There was still, I, I was still doubting whether I made the right decision. Yeah. And it took me, I think it took me about two years. Can you believe that? Two years. I was crying day in, day out. I was feeling so depressed and I, I couldn't work well. That was two years. And in that time, I couldn't, I couldn't tell what was really happening to me. I mean, to me internally, to anyone, because the fear that they might say, you know, victim blaming, Mateo, right? They might turn it against me and say, look, see now? You believe me? I told you to just bear it up and stay at home and and wait for him. He's going to come to his senses and he's going to be good. Look, look what happened to you You now. You're suffering financially. You should have stayed with your husband. That's the reason why I never told anyone. I was afraid of being judged. I was afraid of being ostracized by by people. And... uh, So it's 15 years of domestic violence, plus another two years of of paranoia and fear. That's a long time. That, That was the longest time of my life. But an evening, one night I was crying. I was crying really hard and I was praying so hard. And then I, in my prayer, I said, Lord God, let me cry tonight. But please help me that tomorrow I'm going to be smiling. Please help me that tomorrow it's not going to be tears. Please help me that tomorrow it's going to be smiles for me because I'm just so tired crying. I don't deserve this. I remember telling that in my prayer. Lo and behold,
2: he answered my prayer.
1: Looking back, when people hear my story, Mateo, their reaction are just they're amazed. Where did you get the strength, Gay? Where did you get where did you get the, the courage?
2: Because
1: mm. my husband was earning triple than I used to when I left home. But I didn't care.
0: and and, and on there it's very easy to, to just you know say you know i'm looked after there's money and it's such an easy excuse that one right
1: most of the women i coach that's that's one big factor why they cannot leave their husbands.
0: financial financial security
1: financial financial security and it really takes a lot of therapy. It really takes a lot of, of exercise for me to make them see beyond financial capability, beyond the financial supplication from their husband, beyond the financial support that their husband gives them. It takes a lot of therapy, a lot of molding, a lot of, a lot of mental exercise for yeah. them to see that.
2: Yes. But yeah.
1: I cannot blame them because I've been there. I've been there. So I, I do understand how difficult it can be. But somehow we, we try to make a change and we try to help them.
0: It's, yeah. hard. it's hard. And was there a many moments that you said that that you thought that you wanted to give up, that you were like, you know, I just can't do this?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Definitely. More than... More than 10 times I, I contemplated on killing myself.
2: Mm. How did you how did at, you yeah, how did
0: you persist? How did you come out on the other side?
1: I look at my two angels. Mm. Motherhood is really it's really a gift, Perhaps if the situations is re- If the situation was different, if my circumstance was different, then I I was single, I didn't have, I didn't have beautiful daughters, you wouldn't
2: be, this would not be happening.
1: But my two girls were my lifesavers, and I always tell that to everyone. Sometimes women who are single this is the, this is the hard part when <clears throat> sorry, um, when they encounter something terrible like this, and yet they look around and then they sell they, they tell themselves sorry, they tell themselves that I don't really have much reason to stay. I don't really have a purpose to life to live. See. If it became so difficult for me, me as a mom, me with two girls, what more? And how much more difficult it is for, for a single woman. So that's where I step in. That's, you know, that's the calling. That's when I need to help them out. That there's so many other things in life that you really have to, to focus on.
2: And not just your partner. But of
1: course, it involves a lot of, you know, a lot of therapy with them. Yeah. A lot of sessions with them. Yes,
2: yes.
1: Uh, it cannot happen overnight. That's one thing. It cannot happen overnight. We've, we've seen a lot of women who came to us for coaching who seems to be okay. And yet, after two months, after three months, they come back again and say, okay, the same thing happened when they thought it's okay, when they thought they were okay, when they thought that they were strong enough. But after three months, there you go. Well wow. it happens again.
0: One of the things I'm curious to know is what are some of the beliefs, Kay, that you had to change from that situation to come out of that situation? What are some of the beliefs, internal beliefs, that you had to shift in order to, mm. to make that transition?
1: Um, okay. Before I married him, I was confident. I knew of what I was, of of what I can do, of my talents, of my skills. During the 15-year marriage, all that confidence disappeared. There were moments when I looked at the mirror and then I don't recognize myself anymore. I don't see the same K anymore. So I had to bring back that belief in me. Okay. This one is, uh, that's my internal belief that I had to do it again. And I had to start believing in myself again. I had to remind myself constantly that I am an intelligent woman. I'm an educated woman. Okay. If I leave my partner, I can start on my own, start earning again and support my two girls. Number one. Number two, It's about time, it's about time that the Filipino culture should understand that the family doesn't have to be a father and a mother. It's about time that a a conservative culture like ours should understand that so long as there are even two people who support and love each other unconditionally, that is already family. Mm -hmm. That a family can be people outside the house, that a family doesn't have to be biologically related. So long as they are willing to support each other unconditionally, that is family. And these are are the kinds of beliefs that I had to break so that I can transform, so that I can cross over to that better side.
2: I love
0: it. I love it. From from the way that you speak, it sounds like you did a lot of traveling. Like you have a a lot Uh, of broad knowledge compared to maybe people that just were brought up in that way like you-, you know
1: what thank you thank you Mateo for seeing that Um, this is one thing I don't want to twit my own horn here okay I don't want to brag but I, I need to be honest also because you, you pointed it out Um, this is one thing that I guess this is the reason why my clients you won't see them posting so much on my page like oh coach k did this to me coach k but but what works for us is it's very very discreet you know very discreet way of of letting other women know that you know you need help i know one person ck she's gonna help because somehow the clients who had sessions with me saw it through me that i'm not i didn't pick it up from just any regular trainings i pick it up from my own experience and like you know like what we say experiences are the best teachers the moment that they start telling their story boom i know already how they were feeling what is the next thing on their mind i know already what are the options they're picking from i know exactly how their partners are reacting to it i know exactly what what will happen to them the moment they return home and tell their husband that you know what i saw a coach so the options during a coaching session maybe the options that i prepare for them the options that i lay out for them are not just one not just two but multiple options Mm -hmm so that they can see you know for themselves which way do i really want to go yes and yeah. in that way i am empowering them to, to make the decision for themselves cuz one one big mistake that coaches can can come one big mistake that coaches can commit or mistakes that we are vulnerable of doing is being integrative you know integrative meaning we offer options and yet we try to control which options our clients would choose. Cause we think we know better. But I try to I try to deviate from that and present them. Okay, these are the things that are possibly good options. Now, if my client chooses A, okay, if you choose this, these are the things that might happen oh, no, 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 I'd rather choose C. Okay, when you choose this, these are the things that might happen. Now you choose. But whichever way you go, sweetie, I'll be here. I'll be supporting you.
2: Yes, yes.
0: I love it. And it shows that the level of understanding that you have about the situation is a whole different thing. I'm curious to know, the about your transition from that moment coming out on the other side and then say, I want to become a coach. Where did that come? When did that come out? And, and how was the transition
2: in becoming a coach?
1: I met a friend. His name is George. If ever he sees this, watches this, I mean, he, he's very proud. <laughs> I don't think he'd mind me saying his name, but he's a man. He's one good man. And um, he became a friend and I opened up to him my story. And you know what he did? He was the one who encouraged me and said, you know, okay, it's about time. It's about time that you, you go out there and you do that kind of service. Because if you keep silent of that thing you know, you are doing those hundreds of battered women a disservice and that sucked that stuck to me Mateo. that really stuck to me it hits home and that was the realization that george you're right i just try to imagine one one soul doing something each day helping one soul that that's already an amazing right whenever i do whenever i get to share my story and then there will be a lot of people watching me so long I don't care how many people would would reach my message but what I care about is that as long as there's one soul that I can help that that day I've already won mission accomplished for me
2: yes yes I love
1: and money cannot be that it's priceless
0: I love it I love it and how do you work with some of your clients what's the process usually how does it work when when someone comes to you and asks for help?
1: Since my niche is very sensitive, it needs a very personal approach. So, one thing that I really try to practice on the very first day of coaching is establishing a very friendly and open atmosphere. I guess it's very important. Uh, coaches when we do trainings it's like oh you have to be images you know you have to be particular of your image you have to be you have to create that impression on your clients that you're the one who knows more than them but when Mm -hmm. you do battered wife coaching it's a totally different story it's a totally different story
0: like you don't understand what i'm going through right
1: right so i never I never create this impression on my clients that I'm the I'm the better one here. I know exactly what you're going through. I can help you. No, no, I have to be a listener first. I have to be a friend first, and um,
2: I have to encourage them to be open,
1: open about everything, and. Try to just let them, you know, let them say their stories, say their stories, say their piece, and allow them to, allow them to feel those emotions that they need to feel, because later on, it's going to be very helpful in the next sessions. Let those emotions come out first. Yeah. That's, that's my strategy, Mm coaching, and, uh, well, from, from the feedback I hear from my clients, I guess they're doing
0: a good job. That's awesome. That's awesome. And was there any moment, or was there any moment maybe during this new, new pathway of, you know, coaching that you found a very frustrating and very, anything that you find very frustrating through this process and, um, you know, going through this process of coaching that they, you're like,
2: ah oh, this is really like difficult all the time all the time
1: I've never had despite of the fact that I know exactly what's going on but I never saw each of my clients as a guaranteed you know a guaranteed result um There's no set set pattern to getting a right strategy for helping battered women. Mm -hmm. Because each case is one special case, I'm telling you, Mateo. It's It's like we may have blueprints, but for coaching battered women, there's no standard blueprint, there's no standard protocol, there's no standard guidelines. You have to see each victim as who they are, what they are, and what's really happening to their story. That's the greatest challenge. And you know what? Sometimes I, if you want to know if, if I do feel exhausted right after sessions, I do. I'm only human. I do. It becomes exhausting um, emotionally as well. So it's very important for me to do my, my meditation after coaching. Yeah. I meditate. I do my cleansing. I have to do that,
2: yes. or
1: else, yeah. oh yeah, I have to be healthy. I have to be mentally healthy so that I can help my clients to be mentally healthy as well.
0: Yes, it must be very, very, very challenging because you're absorbing all of the stress. You're absorbing right. all of the anxiety and these fears.
2: And, people and-
1: have that. People have that. Um, have that impression that I have to absorb everything. I guess. Early years into coaching, yeah, I was kind of absorbing everything, but uh, somehow I have developed that skill not to.
0: Not to, yeah. And not to bring it yeah. in you your life, right? Can't kind of keep it separated.
1: Right. Somehow I've learned it. So it's a good thing. I'm happy.
0: That's amazing. Okay. There's a certain
1: degree. Yes. Sorry, mateo I just have to say this very quickly. There's a certain degree. There's a certain degree up to where I can go with the flow of my client and still keep that thin line between us so I've I think I've mastered that already
0: it's amazing and it must be also challenging sometimes when maybe a client doesn't want to open up to a certain level so is a a skill also yours to be able to get them to feel comfortable Yes. Sharing all of these things and which might might be very challenging, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Believe it or not, Mateo, I've had I've had a couple of clients who just did not talk for the first 30 seconds. We were just we were just completely silent.
2: And they didn't hear anything from me.
1: I just waited for them until they're ready. Because I knew that was. I knew that there was so much inside that they cannot even put into words. Hence the silence. 30 seconds.
2: Just just there, sitting in front of me. Wow. Wow. That's powerful.
0: Okay, you have a very powerful journey uh, and I have some closing questions that I'd love to ask you here. Go ahead. Um, I'm very, very keen to ask you. So the first one I want to ask you is if you could write a a sentence on a giant billboard that the entire
2: world can read, what would you write? Just one word. Self-care. I love it. Self-care. That's awesome. The second one I want to ask you is
0: if you could spend five minutes with a 16 years old version of yourself, what advice would you give?
1: I love that question. <laughs> I get to be asked that question a lot, and I enjoy it every time. <laughs> Mateo, thank you for that question. If I'd be talking to the 16 year old key.
2: Take your time. Don't rush. Don't Think rush. Time. Think a little bit through things. Don't go jump straight in.
0: So, <laughs> i love it. The other thing I want to ask you is: Kay, what is success to you?
1: Oh, I love that question. Success is being able to go to sleep at night, without anything in your head.
2: That is, success for me. that is success for me. Going to sleep at night knowing that you made an impact on someone else's life.
1: Success is getting to do anything you wanna do for the day. You wanna go out, and have coffee with your friends, you can. You don't need permission from anyone. You own your time. Success is being able to laugh as loud as you want to, without being conscious of what
2: other people will say. Hmm. That's success for me. Amazing, amazing, thank you for sharing. And what is the best
0: advice that you ever received from someone?
1: Oh, best advice I ever received from someone. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. This one. This one is hardcore.
2: A woman should have her own source of income. That's pretty good.
1: And I, I guess if only teenage women would know that... We don't we won't be having victims of domestic violence anymore. Sorry, that's my pet.
0: No, no, that's okay. It's okay. I love that. <laughs> yes, have have find your own your own independence and and, and once you have that, you you have your own freedom right you can, yeah. you can go be and and um, have your entire Power of decision. So before my last question, Kay, where uh, can people find you online? And if someone wants to work with you, how can how can they get oh, there Yeah. Job?
1: Well, they can email me at it'scoachk at gmail.com. Uh, I'm easy to reach. And yes. you can swing by the Facebook page. Yes. So it's uh, facebook.com slash it's Straight on. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's Coach K.
0: Awesome, awesome, love it. So my last question
2: is, what is the impact that you want to make on others?
1: The impact I want to, if I would have the opportunity to make an impact on other people, that would be to make them feel empowered, love themselves, believe themselves, and find a way, continuous pursuit, to be happy all the time.
2: I love it. And I'm sure you're
0: doing that every single day with your clients, empowering them and showing them that they don't need to be living a life victimized. They can choose and they can choose freedom against, you know, a life that they, that, yeah, um,
1: life is not perfect. Shit happens, right? Murphy's Law. Shit happens. No life is perfect. People mis- make mistakes. People going to hurt you. People are going to fall short of what you expect them to be. But the most important thing is you know how to bounce back. Yes. You know how to put that aside. And that's the kind of empowerment that I wish I can impart on people.
2: I love it. I love it.
0: Okay. You uh, have shared some amazing story. And I'm very grateful that you were here, that you joined us today. Thank you so much for showing up and not just that, for playing I full love. out and, and, and be vulnerable, being yourself. I, I'm, I am confident there are so many women out there that will listen to this story and will be like, wow, you know, feeling empowered and, and potentially, you know, get in touch with you. And, and, and thank you for, for what you shared, has been amazing.
1: I'd love to meet them. Wherever you are, please send me a message and we'll talk.
0: Absolutely. We'll Thank find a so way. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank, Thank you. you. it have been amazing.